I'm going to read verses 1 to 13 to you. In the first month, the whole Israelite community arrived at the desert of Zin, and they stayed at Kadesh. There Miriam died and was buried. Now there was no water for the community, and the people gathered in opposition to Moses and Aaron. They quarreled with Moses and said, If only we had died when our brothers fell dead before the Lord. Why did you bring the Lord's community into this desert that we and our livestock should die here? Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to this terrible place? It has no grain or figs, grapevines or pomegranates, and there is no water to drink. Moses and Aaron went from the assembly to the entrance of the tent of meeting and fell face down, and the glory of the Lord appeared to them. And the Lord said to Moses, Take the staff, and you and your brother Aaron gather the assembly together. Speak to the rock before their eyes, and it will pour out its water. You will bring water out of the rock for the community so that they and their livestock can drink. So Moses took the staff from the Lord's presence just as he commanded him. He and Aaron gathered the assembly together in front of the rock that Moses and Moses said to them, Listen, you rebels, must we bring water out of this rock? Then Moses raised his arm and struck the rock twice with his staff. Water gushed out and the community and their livestock drank. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not trust in me enough to honor me as holy in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this community into the land I gave them. These were the waters of Meribah, where the Israelites quarreled with the Lord and were and where he showed himself holy among them. May the Lord help us to understand his word. Ken will now lead us in a reading from Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 7 through to the end of that chapter. Hebrews 3, and we'll start at verse 7 and read through to verse 19. So as the Holy Spirit said today, if you hear his voice, do not, burden your, do not harden your hearts, as you did in the rebellion, during the time of the testing in the desert, where your fathers tested and tried me, and for forty years saw what I did. That is why I was angry with that generation, and I said, Their hearts are always going astray, and they have not known my ways. So I declared an oath in my anger that they shall never enter my rest. See to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart and turns away from the living God. 
but encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ if we hold firm still to the end the confidence we had at first. As it has just been said, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. Who were they who heard the rebellion? Were they not all those Moses led out of Egypt and with whom was he angry for 40 years? Was it not those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the desert, and to whom God, and to whom did God swear that they would never enter his rest, if not to those who disobeyed? So if we see that they were not, so we see that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. May God bless this reading. Amen. Thank you, Ken. I've titled this sermon this morning, Watching Over and Encouraging One Another. Watching over and encouraging one another, because unbelief brings the hardening of the heart. They say that one of the reasons why the members of the of the primate family, like apes and baboons and monkeys, why they can why they can survive so well in the in in the wild is because they know how to stick together. Um, monkeys, they they are a small animal. And they cannot resist the attack of a lion, for, for instance. Not that a lion would necessarily want a monkey to eat, but um, they've got a system whereby they can work together while they can play together and watch over one another. I was witness to this in, uh, when I was in the army up north in what is known as the Caprivi Strip, where the five countries of Angola and Namibia and Botswana and Zambia and Zimbabwe actually meet. It's a beautiful part of the world. And sometimes we could see how the, these little monkeys, they, they can play carelessly. They can play carelessly and enjoy life like children. It, it is really interesting to see them actually. And they remind you a lot of, of, of us. Um, not for the reason that some evolutionists would like to think, but it is just interesting. And if you look carefully, you'll see that there is at least one. That's the male, one the male. He would not be playing, and he would not do anything other than sitting right there, or maybe at the top of the tree, or where he can see what was going on around him and the others. And he would then, if there is danger, give some shriek of some kind, and that would mean danger. And you would just see them scatter like unbelievable. And what is amazing is that the little ones would run into the arms of their mothers. 
and the mothers would hug them and give them the assurance that they are there with them and they would protect them. And this actually, I think, should be the case with the church. We should know that we are in one family where we watch over one another with sincere care that we would encourage one another when it's needed and that we know that there are others out there who have it as their task to see that we do not get lost on the way that we do not fall in danger on our way when the people of the Lord on their way between Egypt and the land of Canaan reached Kadesh Barnea and you may pronounce this in different ways but I think this is a way of pronouncing this they were on the doorstep of their promised land you should go and and study the maps you'll see that was just like almost there on the border and then Moses sent out those who we in previous translations knew as spies of course they were not spies in that sense of the word they just went to see something of the land and came back with a report and then they came back and we read in the scriptures that they did not believe that the Lord would help them to conquer those nations and other people they saw there they came back with this report um, they said we went into the land to which you send us and it does flow with milk and honey here is its fruit they actually brought that huge big uh, bunch of grapes that they, that they found there we even, we even saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Negev, that's in the southern parts. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites live in the hill country, and the Canaanites live near the sea and alongside the Jordan. The land we explored, they said, devours those things in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there. And we seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes. And we looked the same to them. And therefore they said, Moses, do you want our advice? Let's not go there. we come and a rebellion start and, and, and this is not the only thing that happened there we'll, we'll go through that bit of the history this morning to see what actually happened there at, at Kadesh or Kadesh Barnea unbelief 
they could not see that God who brought them out of Egypt, who had made even before that, 430 years before that happened, he had made a promise to Abraham and he said, I will take my people and I'll bring them back to the land, this land that I give to you today, and I will increase their number and they will be far more than the sand of the sea or the stars of the skies. I will be with you. And the Lord now exactly did that. He kept promise. And in the exact time frame, he took the people out of Egypt and in the most miraculous way saved them. And not only did he save them, we looked at that two, three weeks ago, how the Lord gave them more than they could handle in terms of possessions. And he led them through one victory after the other, and he looked after them, he provided for them, and in a miraculous way, he wanted to be, he was their God, and he wanted them to be his people. But when they got to this place, something happened in them. They gave up in their belief about God. There was nothing wrong in asking for water. But what was behind this? That is what concerns us this morning. What was behind this? Unbelief, the Bible tells us. Unbelief. We read there in Hebrews chapter 4, uh, in uh, Numbers chapter 14, verse 11. The Lord said to Moses, How long will these people treat me with contempt? How long will they refuse to believe in me? How long will they refuse to believe in me? What does it mean to believe the Lord? I think one thing means to take God on His word. To take God on His word. Further down in, in Hebrews chapter 11, we get, we get a beautiful definition of what faith is. Faith is to believe in something that you've never seen before. But to take it as, as you have seen it. Why? God is there. Don't listen to these people. Don't listen to those who don't believe. They were an unbelieving group of people. And therefore they came before Moses and they said, Why have you brought us here? Why can't we, why could we just return? It was better for us to be under the yoke of the Egyptian slavery. Now you brought us up into this land and we've got nothing. An unbelieving people. And, and, and we need to understand what it means, what the Bible says, that these people were unbelieving. They just not said, oh well, we don't think we can believe in that. They became rebellious. They wanted to replace God with something else. They rebelled in the face of God to the point where they said, Moses, Moses, Moses actually went before the Lord and he said, Lord, these people are at the point of killing me. That was their rebellion. That's what unbelief does to us. We want to replace God with something else. When things just don't work out the way we think it should be working out, we're beginning to replace God. We're trying to work things out to, to replace the Lord that we're supposed to trust. And we make our own God... And that never works. It doesn't bring us anywhere. 
Therefore, in Hebrews chapter 3 verse 19, once again the Bible says to us the very same words about these people being an unbelieving people. Read with me. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 19. So we see that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. That led to rebellion, as we read about that in chapter 20 of Numbers. Open rebellion. They wanted to kill Moses. They wanted to get rid of him. They wanted to return to, to, to Egypt. They lost hope. And now they became rebellious. And they treated the Lord with with uh, contempt. That's what the Lord says. You treated me as con- uh, with contempt. And they let Moses, the man of God who, who was there all the time for them, to sin against God. Moses was just a man like, like us, and sometimes I wonder, Moses, how on earth... How on earth did you, did you get along with these people? They were a rebellious people and they were, just, they were just hopeless. But the moment I think about the hopeless people, I think about myself because I'm there too. I, I, I'm there sometimes in the crowd crying out when I don't get my way, when I don't get answers to my prayers. And then I then I'm sometimes in rebellion. And I find myself in that crowd provoking Moses to anger. And the Lord said to Moses, take the staff and in another part of the world, in Exodus chapter 17, I think, the Lord says, take that staff, the staff Aaron used to strike the Nile, where living water became something that could not be could not be drank. And the Lord said, You take that stuff and you will turn what is impossible now into the possible so that people will drink. That is the last place you will look for water. Let's be honest. If you're going to look for water, you're not going to look for water on a rock. Well, the Lord said to Moses, do this. And Moses, just a human being, sinful, unlike Jesus, if you read Hebrews chapter 3, the first part, it actually puts Moses and, and Jesus against one another. And, and Moses, although he was faithful in many things, he, he, even his leadership called for Jesus the perfect one, he struck the rock twice. The Lord was merciful enough to give them water, okay? But there was just this, this rebellion with the people. Then we read in, in, in Numbers chapter 32 how, how these people were... Uh, although they were about once again to enter the land, 
when they were gathered on the eastern side in, in the valleys of Moab, that there were a group of people there who didn't want to go and take possession of the land across the Jordan. They, they figured that it would be better for them to remain on the eastern side of the Jordan and not go there. And then uh, Moses said to them, This is what your fathers did when I sent them from Kadesh Barnea to look over the land. And they went up from the valley. And then the Lord says, They discouraged the Israelites from entering the law. They discouraged the people. That's what they did. They now, now you want to do the same thing. You're about to enter the promised land and, you, and you'd rather stay in this side of the Jordan? That was not God's plan. And now you, by doing this, would set an example for others to say, well, stay here in the green valleys where you don't need to fight any battle and where you don't need to do any hard work. You just stay here in your comfort zone. It is a discouragement to the others. And therefore Moses said to them, you can only come back to this after you have been there across. And after you've helped the others to conquer the land. Then you may come back. But don't discourage the people of the Lord if you yourself wouldn't like to do it. That is by example you can discourage other to take hold of the promise of the Lord. That's what Moses then said to them. When we apply these things to the church of Christ... We see the course of unbelief with the people. If you would like to go back with me in, uh, Hebrew, in Hebrews chapter 3, we look at the course of, of, uh, of unbelief. What does it, what, how, how does it happen that there's unbelief? See to it, verse 12, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. Say to it that none of you has a sinful and unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. That's the cause of it. Unbelief is a, is a faith that turns away from God it's a faith that is trapped in sin and that causes the heart to harden. And that's what the Bible talks about here. See to it. And, and, and I thought it was just an expression there. I thought it was just an idiomatic expression that we used in, use in English. See to it, which actually means just, you know, keep an eye open for it. And, and I looked it up in the Greek, and what does it say? It says exactly that. It's no idiomatic expression. It actually says, keep your eye open. Keep your eye open. Watch over one another. So that nothing would come in into the life of your brother or your sister that would eventually trap him or her to become heart of heart. It says there, um, 
Just remember the pomegranates. Just remember the good food in Egypt. Well, well you were a slave there, okay? But look, look at what you've got now. Deceitfulness. That's what happened there in, in paradise. And it happens again today. You look at your circumstances... And you ask yourself, is this really what it means to be a Christian? Look, there's a theology out there who, who proclaims to Christians that when you, when you become a Christian, everything is just going to go honky-dories. No problem whatsoever. Now that is a lie out of hell. When we become Christians, let, let's encourage one another with these words then. When you become a Christian, can I just say to you, in the language of the Bible, when you take up your cross and follow Jesus, be sure that your problems might start. It's a bit of a rocky road. If you don't want to believe me, you ask the Apostle Paul, Ask him, was it easy to be an apostle of the Lord? To be flogged today? To be dragged out of the city? To go hunger? To be locked up in jail? No. Sin says, in our language, in our day, can I use the phrase so that we will know what, what it says? You hear it on TV every day. You deserve better. Now let's just get that out of the way. We deserve nothing. Don't think you deserve better. When circumstances are turning against us and it looks like it is, it is going to be tough, don't, be, don't fall into the deception of sin that says it should look better. Faith says God is in control. Sin says you deserve better. And in the end, you become discontent, and in the end, we rebel. Therefore, the result of unbelief is rebellion. Verse 13 of chapter 3 of Hebrews. Encourage one another daily as long as it's called today so that none of you may be hardened in sin's deceitfulness. Once our heart is hardened and once we believe that we should actually have it better now and once we are told, you know, with that little voice sitting on our shoulder and telling us that God has forgotten us 
we become rebellious. We try to do our own thing. First of all, we follow the Lord. And after a while, we ask Him to follow us. And after a while, we couldn't care if He's behind us. And in the end, we find ourselves going nowhere. That is the seat. That's the deceitfulness of sin leading to rebellion. Have you found yourself with a rebellious heart? Well, if there's a rebellious heart, may I ask that you go back a bit and look for the deception of sin. And therefore, we need encouragement because the encouragement is the cure for it all. These people came back from, from the promised land and some of them said, we can't go there. We can't fight against those. Look at them. We feel like grasshoppers against them. They look like giants before us. And they were big people. So by the way, historically, they come out of a tribe that were most probably seven feet tall, all of them. And then they said, we can't go there. And there was Joshua and there was Caleb. And they said, yeah, that's true. That's true. But if the Lord goes with us, He will give us the victory. And we need to encourage one another and say, we've got a promised land. You cannot give up halfway. Yes, we've got an, an enemy to contend with. Yes, we've got a war at our hands. Yes, we've got a struggle in our hands. Yes, we've got all these things. Christians are not exempt of pain and suffering and, and discouragement and, 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 and disillusionment and, and disappointment. We, we know all these dis things. We know that. As a matter of fact, if you don't have some dis thing somewhere along the line, you probably don't believe. Or can I say, if I may think out another word today... If you don't have a discouragement or this, this or this ever, you probably disbelieve somewhere along the line. Yes, there are these things. But don't focus upon that. Focus upon, as it says there in verse uh, 1 of chapter 3 of Hebrews, Therefore, holy brothers who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus. You see, that makes the difference. Caleb and, and, and Joshua said, yes, there are these things, but there's a promised land too. Why? There's a God who promised the promised land, and therefore we, we trust in Him. Their unbelief and their rebellion led to the fact that the Lord had them wandered for 40 years. They were that close to inheriting their promised land. And from there the Lord sent them south, southeast all through the desert for 40 years. And they fell in the desert. My dear friend in the Lord, I encourage you this morning, not with a vain sort of 
airy fairy pie in the sky when you die encouragement fix your eyes upon Jesus why he's far more than Moses he's far more than Moses he, he, he battled it for us and he won he gave us a righteousness and he wants you there I encourage you and I encourage you to encourage me and I encourage you to encourage the others alongside and it says there do it daily why because we we are by nature so easy to be distracted encourage one another daily and when you really read through the book of Hebrews you understand why it is so important for him then to come to verse 29 I think of chapter 10 where he says uh, some of you some of you neglect our, your, our meetings he said don't do that encourage one another by getting together every now and then and even if you don't come together in prayer or come and together in whatever the case may be but come together and encourage one another see to it watch out for your brother be like the one sitting that that baboon or the ape sitting up there and watching out for the for the for the uh, for the danger and then warn that's our job and and and, and let let's do that we live in a day and age where we all do our own thing. And we, we are just by, you know, we're taken along by this rubbish of privacy laws. Make it your business. Not in a nosy way, but make it your business to watch out for your brethren. Watch out for your brother and your sister. Those who might fall in a trap of deceitfulness of sin. And encourage them. Why? By faith, you've already seen. By faith, you've seen it. Encourage one another. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. We have the example of your people of of Israel when they were put before that marvelous inheritance they turned away because of unbelief of rebellion and hardness of heart father we pray that we will encourage one another that our hearts will not be hardened but that we will walk this this way and eventually, hand in hand, with our eyes fixed on Jesus, enter into our promised land. Give us a sense of care for one another. And help us to accept when others come to us and find out about our journey. Help us to understand that they care for us. That's why they ask. Help us to pray for one another. 
And thank you for Jesus Christ that we may fix our eyes upon him. He is the beginning and the perfecter of our faith. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.